0: I'm Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez, and you're listening to the Carrero Podcast. Today, our guest is Alda Kanias. After working for 25 years as an educator in the private sector, Alda joined the Guillarde team as a director and co-partner in 2014. Since then, she has dedicated her time to designing and implementing workshops, as well as preparing the academic materials to complement the current national pedagogical strategies. She works closely with the Costa Rican Department of Education, doing staff development for public school preschool teachers around the country. She is convinced that by improving the quality of public education, she can positively contribute to the reduction of the wide socioeconomic gap present in the Costa Rican society. So hello, Alda. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before Giade and how this prepared you for your current role as the director?
1: Well, thank you, Mar- Malia and Fred, for having me here. It's a great opportunity to speak with you. I've heard beautiful things about your postcasts. Uh, before I started uh, working with Ghiade, I, nineteen back in 1989, just recently out of college and starting to work with students, I co-founded a private bilingual school in Costa Rica. I worked there for 25 years. I participated in the policy, philosophical, and curriculum design for the school. It is now, I have to say, one of the top bilingual schools. And actually, it's been sold to one of those big inspired, it's called, Conglomerations of Schools World Round. Wow! Uh, I started as a, a first grade teacher, which was my calling—elementary school teacher—and then moved on to curriculum coordinator and was uh, elementary school principal for, I think it was like twenty years or something. Um, what can I say? It was a uh, definitely a career path that I enjoyed, trusted, lived with passion and experience thoroughly it gave me the possibility of learning how to manage a project from beginning to end yeah uh when I left blue valley in 2014 the school was established and it was uh um, there was a waiting list to come in Uh, so it was it was like seeing something come up from nothing to become a well-prestiged academic school uh, I got to examine curriculum examine it uh, develop it um, decide if it was thorough enough for our students and change it to become student centers so all this uh, and also working with teachers and learning what makes a good teacher how to do an observation in the classroom how to transmit What makes a good teacher and teaching teachers how to teach was one of the most fulfilling experiences at blue valley it was definitely a growing experience for me i hadn't done it before and it was it's a so growing on the job but i had a great relationship with teachers you have to develop that trust that you're there for them and not because of them Uh, We had a Montessori system set up for the preschool, which was definitely an eye opener for me because I realized how much the Montessori system enables the kid to discover and learn through beautiful design materials, learn through experience, learn through experimentation without a teacher having to be there and quote unquote teach. Mm Some people think that a Montessori is an unstructured system, and it's the opposite. The the advantage of this structure is that the kids know what the structure is and don't have to be reminded and told what to do. The students develop at their own pace. They choose what they want to work with depending on their developmental stage. And that gives them the possibility of, of from your what Montessori can start from one-year-olds but we started at three and a half wow to five and a half and those two years gave them the the materials the courage the responsibility and then the fulfilling of their needs where they felt was necessary if they were exposed to something they couldn't do they could always come back put it away come back nobody told them you're doing that wrong Something else that I feel definitely helped me with what I'm doing now is dealing with parents. you uh-huh. I've been in a classroom or in a school, you know how difficult parents can be. And as an administrator and principal, I had to develop the patience to listen to them, to acquit them, to support my teachers, but on the same time, keeping parents happy. And that's something that you develop on the job, but that has been very useful. We're trying to work with bureaucrats in the government, where you actually have to smile. <laughs> I to like that and connection, members. connecting of course, parents you're right. working with bureaucrats. We'll do yeah, that your way. Yeah. go back. And, uh, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get that going.
2: Yeah. Oh gosh! See, see, now you're speaking my language right. because most of my most of my work, uh, most of my research is is. Uh, Parents in schools, um, and and one of the things that I found it was it was funny because when I was when I was when I talked to my dissertation chair about about my topic, he's like, so you so you want to study the enemy, mm-hmm. and 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 then I was like, and that's why because we have this preconceived notion about parents, whereas mm-hmm. you know and so and and I you know and I say that because as a when I. First started teaching, um, I was reaching out to parents every single day, making positive phone making positive phone calls home. My colleagues hated it, but oh. all of my kids' grades were going up. Um, nice. You know, and so and so, yeah. That you know, I I I found that by about that by reaching out and by going out, um, I I really changed things within just within my school, but. One of the things that you were you were talking about was was learning about um, teaching teachers how to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the what's the teacher ed programs like there? Um, how 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 are teachers developed?
1: Okay, uh, private schools will have a more continuous teacher development programs. Uh, some will hire people to come in. Some will develop internally according to their needs. We used to do most of our staff development internally. So I would do the research, uh, figure out what the needs were, and then adapt what I was researching to what our needs were. Uh, Public Mm -hmm. systems have this organization that has to deal with all the staff development for public school teachers. That makes it very difficult to get into that organization and be able to offer something because they're basically very protective of their own of their own members those who are there who are many of them are even public school teachers themselves or university teachers who have been hired to do some of the uh, staff development courses uh, as you well know, that uh, good teachers need to have staff development periodically. Right. And that has been a big issue here because um, I don't know if I'm running ahead, but uh, the uh, preschool teachers have a, a basically what they still call a new program that was developed in 2014. It's not new anymore, but still new to them because they're not, They're not, they haven't been properly trained on how to implement it. They got a 40 40 hour uh, PowerPoint presentation course on how to do it, so it was theoretical. And it was a big change because before that, believe it or not, teachers were not allowed to have uh, preschool teachers, were not allowed to have any kind of alphabetization, knowing the alphabet or pre-reading skills or pre-writing skills because they were banned from the preschool environment. So if you came to a preschool classroom, there were no name tags, there was no alphabet, there were no numbers because that was, they called it escolarization, making it too academic. So this program did bring the change on, but teachers had been trained to teach the other way for years and years and years at colleges. So they were given this program, which is a constructive approach, constructivist approach, Mm -hmm. and has all the, what we all know know today, that children in preschool need to have their pre-reading and pre-writing skills, including phonological awareness and many other listening, comprehending, pre-writing and pre-reading. But those teachers were given the program and were not given the skills on uh, the skills on how to apply it. So they've been working on their own, and it's such a huge system that it's very difficult for the supervisors to reach each teacher.
2: You know, and you and you bring up a, a really a really valid point, and that's I think one of the things that that countries throughout the world are looking at what do what do preschool kids need what do what do elementary school kids Mm -hmm. need because in in places like finland and you know norway they don't have anything like this they just want you know they just want the kids to go out and play and discover and bring things back and then you know get their get their like hands 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 dirty um because there's there's like here in the within the united states we want them to learn algebra in first grade you know? <laughs> it's like come on you know we you know we got to get going because of competition and blah 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 without yeah. giving giving kids time to and i know i'm exaggerating but um there's that you know there's that um there's that dilemma so so how do you how do you work with this how do you work with these with these differences, because once again, we have places like Finland and and some of your Asian Asian countries where it's all play and discover, and they're up on top. Academ- but
1: I think that play and discover doesn't discourage some academic knowledge. Correct. Okay, Correct. they can learn, they can discover, that's essential. And children should be playing, but they should be uh, having free play And they should also be having some guided playing with an academic and intentionality from the teacher. Okay, all this that we're talking about, all the phonological awareness can be done through play. Right. They can play. I mean, we can learn the the sounds of the letters with a ball. Mm -hmm. We can learn the sounds of the letter running and kicking, climbing, uh, discovering, constructing. It doesn't have to be an academic place where teachers stand in front and lecture preschool kids. They should be able to discover. And that's that's one of the things I, I learned from Montessori because the kids do discover all these, let's say academic concepts and skills and abilities that they need for their future education through discovery and through manipulating the the materials that are so well developed and and designed that they do it without under, without even knowing it. the 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 math materials in the Montessori have the cubic centimeter and then the cubic and they grow and the children are manipulating it without knowing they're manipulating a cubic centimeter. Yeah, they're internalizing all that knowledge. Yeah, so
0: when we want to go and try to make it academic, that's when we suck all the fun out of it, and then that's when kids start to hate school, right? And so yeah, I think I, I really hear you, right? When you say that you can still do learning through discovery, it's but it's much more intentional, right? There's right. and that's that's where that specific teacher training and and guidance is to um, help design those opportunities for students to explore almost like the Dewey method, right? Like um, inquiry based. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what um, GYADE is?
1: Sure. Uh, GYADE started as a, a, a place where we would offer teacher training for public and private schools. But then it came a point, especially when I joined GIARE after I left Blue Valley and I said, okay, enough of private school. It's been 25 years of learning, of experiencing, and I have all this knowledge I feel I should bring back to children who are actually at risk and who need a change in their education. And that's when we decided to go for public, public education uh it's been a process we had the luck of being able to meet with the secretary of education in 2016-15 right after the new program was developed and she asked us to develop uh, a course for element for preschool teachers in language development we did it's a 16-hour course for workshops 16-hour course and we got the endorsement of the Ministerio de Educación, was the Secretary of Education, Mm -hmm. Department of Education. We got that endorsement, which has made it possible for us to reach public schools. Without that endorsement, you cannot work with public school teachers unless they are on their own time outside of school time. But that endorsement allows the supervisors to call the teachers in for a workshop. So that was essential for what we wanted to do. Um, We we've been working with public school teachers since 2017. After we have the the course developed, it's called Actualiza Lenguaje Prescolar, Language in Preschool Development. And we've worked with 1,700 teachers so far. mainly in high risk areas uh, pacific coast we did all the pacific coast and part of the northern uh, border with Nicaragua those are high risk areas where kids have very little opportunities schools have very little resources Uh, most of them don't get good internet so they don't have access to digital resources which was Basically, made it even worse during the pandemic. That's a whole new issue that was added to the poor education that our students were receiving. That was a two-year. It's I guess it's worldwide a two-year blank in those kids who who didn't have the the possibility of having of having internet. Um, the program that we developed uh has the newest practices in education, it has a constructivist, constructivist, constructivist approach. Uh has the pre-reading and writing skills which were included in the in the curriculum. It's been a huge change, a very, very big change. Uh, in twenty nineteen we were lucky enough to get uh, a grant from an NGO Cruza, which is Costa Rica USA funding. Uh, which help us train all those uh, lower income areas. Uh, it's it's surprising what a teacher will tell you when you get there and they actually understand what they're supposed to do. Because what we did is we took apart the curriculum, which is impossible to understand. So bureaucratic, it's made in the central offices. It seems like te- people who worked on it were never in a classroom. Hey, I mean, they can't like bring here. it down. I mean it's it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we had a hard time, both of us, my my partner Victoria Coronado and I had a hard time pulling it apart and understanding when things were. We were used to working with. Um, US curriculums at our private schools and they give you a step by step of what you're supposed to do. A teacher edition has everything you need in there. And you follow it, and you can get through the curriculum without enhancing it, without doing anything, but getting the basics. Not good, but you get the basics. <laughs> this this curriculum that they got, actually, I have it right here. Is this?
2: Oh wow! Okay.
1: Okay, this is it. That's dense. That's a lot. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it has different units: it has the science, the media, the math, the language. Everything's in here, but there's nothing that will help a teacher understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we took it apart and developed a four-year, a four, four core, four workshop course to to put it so that the and give the teachers the strategies, the mediums, the uh, the resources uh bring in part of the philosophical that they were talking about talk about positive interactions in the classroom talk about uh developing critical thinking we brought in marzano because that's what the ministerio is doing instead of bloom they're using marzano so we taught teach them how to use marzano how little kids can answer high level questions mm-hmm. yeah. and not only why did little red riding hood visit her mother Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can tell them, okay, why don't you ask them what would happen if Rita Hood didn't meet a fox? What would happen if she met a squirrel? <laughs> How would the story <laughs> change?
0: I love that. <laughs> awesome. And they yes, love it. Too. They yeah. say, of
1: course my kids can answer that. Yeah. would be mm-hmm. a totally different story, but those are things that the teachers don't think of. Mm-hmm. And so we give them the marsano background they we give them aside from with a curriculum that's that's very very thorough we give them the possibility of applying it and putting it into practice with tons of strategies we give uh they receive a, uh, a resource kit that we developed for them to have with the course so our idea is that the day after they leave they can go Back to the classroom and start working with their children, and it's very satisfying when we hear a teacher say, "Oops!" They call us up and say, "Oops, I'm so scared. I've been doing everything wrong." And I said, "Don't worry." I said, "Yes, but my children are so lucky because I now I know what I have to teach." Yeah, yeah.
2: you know, you know, all the just just this little time in which which I've been I've been listening. Um, they're very dynamic um, and, and one of the one of the things that that, that I'm always interested in is um, during during your academic career or or, or maybe even in, in your in your personal life did did you have any mentors to kind of guide to, to you know, guide you through? and then so so that's my first question. and then what were what were some of those things that they wanted to instill into you and then my second question is are you mentoring others
1: of course uh well most of my pre career right now uh was at blue valley school and i'll have to say that the director the the the, the headmistress of the school was my mentor and she taught me passion
2: oh okay
1: uh thoroughness Mm, how to solve problems how to approach problem solving a work ethic uh assurance and from there i could choose the road i would follow so it wasn't she she wasn't telling me what to do but by doing what she was doing i could decide if that would fit me or if I had to deviate from what she was doing or not, but finding my own path. I think that was the, the the biggest learn learning experience I had at Blue Valley when I decided I had when I decided to leave, I had the assurance that I could leave and do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And mentoring has been part of being a principal at a school. It's part of it. You hire teachers. I loved to hire recently graduates. I feel they were the most energetic, the most enthusiastic, uh, the most willing to, to work with children, uh, to spend time with them, to give them their positive energy. So it was part of a growing process for them, and we worked together. The first thing I would always do is tell them, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. No matter what, I'm here for you. I'll support you through and through, uh, every single time, no matter what you do. So if you try something and it doesn't work, just come and tell me. I'll support you through it. If it's a problem with a parent, just tell me. I'll deal with it but I'll support you through it. I will never blackmail you. I will never backhand you ever, no matter what the problem is. So that created an atmosphere of trust, which I think is essential if you're you're dealing with recent graduates who actually want to learn and grow. When you come out of college, I mean, you do a year of professional training, but that doesn't prepare you to have your own classroom you're like, okay, yeah. here I am. And I and my feeling is you have to experiment. You have to figure out what's good for you, what works for you, what what doesn't. And you have to learn your children and adapt what you're doing to what they need. So, and, and actually we did get uh, many high, Blue Valley High School graduates who went into education and then came back and started working with us that actually helped me now that i'm working with public school teachers even if it's not on a long term i always give them my phone number after we finish a workshop i say here's my phone number you can email me you can whatsapp me that's what we use here whatsapp or you can call me anytime anytime you have a question anytime you need anything concerning academics or concerning anything around the school. I've been there. I've been in the classroom. I've been a principal. Uh, I have the experience to deal with different situations, and I've been a curriculum coordinator. So I do get, I have some teachers that that send me videos of what they're doing that call me and say, the last time I heard from one of the teachers, it's, it's a Shirley, she called, She wrote to me and said, I have to teach classification this week. But why? Why do children need to classify? Why do they need to do classification? So I go through a process of explaining and said, Okay, now I understand that it's part of math of, of, of acquiring the number concept. So now I know how to focus what I'm teaching. So they 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 had they feel free to call me uh, can't say that it's the 1700 teachers but maybe 50 are in contact which- Oh, that's
0: a lot and I, that was going to be my follow-up question was how many people actually take you up on that um but 50. 50 is is a lot and and when you're doing these um workshops are they is it people from all over different schools or are you going into specific schools and doing them with that group of teachers oh. there
1: we train 30 teachers per per course per mm-hmm. workshop so it's teachers from different schools in the same area okay we have to go through the ministerial and from them they we go to the uh, the local the local ministerial offices We need to get their approval from them before we can reach that's the whole bureaucratic yep. process mm-hmm. that I say you have to have patience and perseverance and mm-hmm and feel and have the assurance that you will get there or else you'll never you'll never make it. So it's through the supervisor superintendent that we have to um call the teachers to come in. Mm-hmm. So it's basically when we go through one of these we try to do it like we're going to do 17 workshops in Limon. So we start with they they call them and we go in for or weeks or something and 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 do the workshops until we cover the whole that's that's our goal cover the whole region how are you funded huh that's the big issue yeah <laughs> uh we had that big fund from cruza which was very helpful lately we've had a funding from zona franca that's the free zone i don't know how you call it. zona franca is where uh companies from the states or other countries come in and have a tax-free benefits so that they can mm-hmm. establish their, their industry here. Uh, lately that was last month, a couple of months ago, and actually we did just did Cartago, one of the provinces, uh, funded the whole, their whole area, their whole region, and they gave us enough to fund, uh, it was 15 works, 15 courses to cover all the preschool teachers in the province of Cartago. Wow. Provincia is like a state. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like five hundred teachers that we're working with. That's we great. did half now before Christmas. Right now we're not we're not giving doing workshops. Christmas is near and mm-hmm. that's the school year ends in November. Oh, okay. And we're back in February. So okay. we're doing the other half in February.
2: And funding
1: so- is the the uphill it's uphill it's it's we never thought that was going to be so hard we felt that pre- preschool such uh and there's such a need for a high quality preschool and there's so many researches yeah. that state that a high quality preschool is going to allow the kid to have a better better life uh and finish their high school uh less uh, th- less failures, uh, higher higher salaries, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. going into university. But the problem is it's not politically attractive. Mm-hmm. You see results in 13 years. And even businessmen and pol- politicians want immediate results to show right now. So it's not something it's very hard to sell. And we know that the brain develops uh, between zero and six years old six year olds. Mm-hmm. And that's where the pruning comes in and that's where positive interactions have to occur and that's where children shouldn't be in toxic environments.
0: Yep. And they
1: have to receive yeah. a high quality education. But this is not what we expected. Definitely not. So
0: Yeah, so you're so mainly you're mainly funded by grants. Is that what I'm to grants. understand then? And so can smaller um Funders or smaller, um, I guess, organizations like make donations to your organization. Sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, because we sometimes we we rather we we work with whole regions, and sometimes we work with just one course, which is uh, which the cost for it is for thirty teachers would be six thousand dollars. Yeah. That's that's not yeah a lot, but right. it does change the life of you know, 30 teachers and thus 250 students a year.
0: Yeah, and it just it creates a higher quality of life for those teachers too in the way where they don't have to feel so stressed and having to like sit and like dissect that curriculum every day or on a regular basis or just feel like right. really overwhelmed, especially as a new teacher, um, you know, being given curriculum, you're like, yay, I have this curriculum. But then once you start opening it up and looking at it, you're like, whoa, okay, I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
1: the program just 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 prints in our pre reading skills. It's a huge change uh, and the, the endorsement is, is it's essential. Mm-hmm. We can't do it without the endorsement. There's no way they'll let us because they have to be called in by the superintendent to to work with. Yeah. Us. And that
0: and that makes sense. I mean, and you kind of need buy in from everyone to be successful. Um, and so, part of it is just that almost campaigning for your own organization too, right? Right, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we're not. <laughs> what Vicky and I always say, we're not. We're we're not salespersons. We're no, teachers. I know. We I love know. what we do, but
0: so many hats selling, though, that you have to totally wear. Totally different,
1: mm-hmm. different act, and it's it's hard to to just think that you have to go in and yeah. We're not so good. Is there We're something
0: um that has come up with your work at Giade that um that you didn't expect or um maybe something that was a bit of a learning curve for you? Uh
1: yes, yes. Definitely this the the same dealing with people, um uh, uh with um businessmen who have the money who could help us. Uh, with the fundraisers, with the NGOs that all say, yes, we're interested. And and it's very hard to have something actually to come come through. Mm. So yeah, it's, so it's, it's almost a, like you
0: need a group of, of people who specialize in that to work with your organization. And while you, on the other side, the educators and the teacher educators <laughs> can do that actual it. work. Yeah, yeah. because
1: they're, yeah, there's people who do that. Mm-hmm. Do that for them and know how to do it. But we're a small organization. We are not money oriented, and right. it's it's hard to hire somebody, mm-hmm. to raise the funds when you don't have the funds. Right,
0: right. We
1: pay that person. So yeah. so it's it's a give and take.
0: So do you have volunteers that work with your organization too, or are is most people paid through the? most
1: people are paid because we do need high qualified Mm -hmm. teachers or educators who can work with with the other teachers teach teachers how to teach and we do mentor those those people we choose Uh, a lot of people would like and have offered their services but we're very picky. Yeah.
0: So, what kind of personality traits are you looking for for with someone uh, who would be working with your organization?
1: Uh, if it's working with with teachers, we, they need a uh, educational background, mm-hmm. definitely, communication skills, service, service uh, spirit. Um, working with lower income schools. Uh, Understanding the difference between the private and the public sector, because uh, these schools have very little resources. There's a big gap between what they have and what they would like to have. Uh, Understanding where teachers come from and why they don't have the background that they should have that would be expected from them from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And much of this comes from their college training, but there's not much we can do about that. Right. So it's helped. Uh, uh, we have this this organization, Estado de la Educación, who does, does that, uh, that studies uh, bi-yearly. Every two years, they set out a report on, the, on how the education is doing uh, how the education system is working in costa rica world uh countrywide and they go through from preschool to elementary high school college what the needs and uh, the weak areas are and it was i think it was not the last one the, the year before they did a study on on teacher training and they we were in it they asked the teachers who had taken our course and they interviewed them and they 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 uh had surveys and observations on teachers and then they figured out which had taken two courses and the which hadn't and they noticed a difference in their teaching skills and strategies of those who had taken our course wow so that was that was good mm-hmm. that has helped us prove that because there's scientific evidence that that it's working and that it has had has had an impact on teacher on the teacher performance in the classroom
0: yeah
1: you noticed,
0: uh, or sorry, you mentioned earlier about some of the schools near the Nicaragua border um, and mm-hmm. how they differ from some of the other schools. What other kind of differences do you notice around Costa Rica and the schools um, and and like what they're able to provide and how they're trained and prepared?
1: Uh-huh. Um, marginal and rural schools have very, very little resources and visiting them has definitely been an eye opener for us. We did not expect it. Why? Because we're down in the Capitol, uh, you hear what you hear, you read what you read in the papers, but there's nothing like going there and visiting. Mm. On our very few workshops, with very first workshops, we started asking, okay, how many books do you read to your students in preschool? Simple question, right? how many books do you have in your classroom? And the answer was, we don't have books. Wow. Okay, you don't have books in your classroom, but you go to the school library and bring some books to the classroom. Mm -hmm. And we were shocked when we heard, and what they said was, we don't have a school library. So here we have this teachers in marginal areas, socioeconomically low, who have no books to teach their te- children how to read and write. That's we, insane to we're me. We're shocked. And then yeah. we research, and apparently only 16% of schools in Costa Rica have libraries. Wow. And that 16% are in what we call the great metropolitan area. Wow. So public schools in the rest of the country don't have books. And actually, it's not that only the public schools don't have books. If you go into a store close to these schools, there are no books to buy. So they have very little access to books. Hmm. That's when we said, "Okay, we need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And we started the program Bibliotecas Actualiza, which is uh, actualiza libraries mm-hmm. and we have donated full libraries with furniture with uh, exhibitors with rugs cushions furniture cozy libraries with a thousand books each wow to nine public schools in the rural areas that's great it's It's been a, a life-changing experience for us. Mm-hmm. And it's been a life-changing experience for the schools. Because one of the kids one day came in and said, when we were uh, donating the library, we were doing the installation, and one of the kids came in and said, oh, this is the most beautiful library I've ever seen. And we were like, wow. And he mm-hmm. said, and the only one. Oh, so, so is that, that,
0: work, really, that, that work with um, setting up the libraries, is that in line with your work with Guillarde or is that something
1: separate? It's uh, through Bibliotecas Actualiza. We took it on as a, as a social responsibility project right. for Guillarde.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we received donations. Each library costs like $3,500. Okay. And we basically, the books we received through donations of new or Red books not used books but red books got it and where
2: are these where are these books coming from because i'm 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 curious you got my wheels going <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's not a good thing um
1: oh, that's a good thing
2: <laughs> i think that's a well, good thing it, it it is but i'm thinking oh, okay <laughs> so yeah where 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 do these books come come from? Are they are they local or or are they donated from all over the world or, local, okay,
1: local. Uh, it's amazing how many books you have in your library that you're not using. Mm-hmm. It's amazing uh, how many children's books you keep at home when your grown-up kids are gone. Mm.
2: Yeah, and are there are there publishing companies there in in Costa Rica? Yes
1: uh-huh There are publishing companies and we've contacted them some of them have given us donations some of them just give us a better price yeah okay. and we have been receiving a lot of of uh, we've worked through the social media and we recently been on a couple of podcasts and and newspaper articles that have helped uh, spread the word each library has a thousand books so it's a lot of books mm-hmm. it's it's we use we're choosing the schools also through the ministerio through the public system mm-hmm. so that they give us uh, a principal who is committed who's going to be there who's going to be taking care of the library uh, small schools from 80 to to 100 students uh they need to have a classroom to install the library we don't want a corner okay. in the fifth grade classroom we want a classroom for the library so that all students can visit it at any time we use library cards for the for the books oh, nice. so that they can sign them out and take them home and share with the family so we we've been very lucky to be able to to receive books and through donations we we buy some of the books because we like to give the kids the the schools uh, school sets, grade sets, Correct. like at least six books of a title, so that they can actually read the books that the, the ministerio requires, because they do have a list of required readings. But since they don't have the books, what they're doing now is the teacher comes on to one copy and reads aloud to them mm. that require reading books. Wow. Yeah, so cause... that's a totally different skill.
0: Yes, it is. And what troubles me is that if it's a requirement, why isn't the country, the state, the province providing Uh the resources for this requirement?
1: Well, having a school, an implicit requirement is having books. Yes, yes. You think of
0: those as synonymous and required, just like a desk and a table. You must have books. Because you must, I mean, <laughs> what else are you going to do? tell
1: people these kids don't have books, everybody goes yeah. so like, what? How can yeah. you have a school without books? So yeah. if individuals
0: or organizations want to donate to um, this um, project, mm-hmm. uh, how do they reach that? How do they how do they contribute? What should they do?
1: Uh, we are with Amigos of Costa Rica, which is a tax free uh entity and it's based in the United States and they receive we receive funds through them mm. from abroad okay
2: so, so um another question so what if a what if a school and I'm I'm just thinking about the about the school that we visit over in Honduras Honduras um, they don't they don't have an extra classroom to spare um mm-hmm. so uh, in fact it's in fact it's such a small school they have to break up their 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 ac- their academic day into two separate days and so mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. what they do is they uh limit the academic content and so mm-hmm. kids don't don't get music and art
1: uh-huh.
2: and so, so yep. when we so when we go down we we try to do our our part by by providing music and art um so are people building Classrooms, or, or basically, what I what what I'm asking, if this type of situation happens, how much does a classroom cost to build?
1: Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> That's out of her <laughs> good ra- good realm. Question. Come yeah. and build a classroom, Fred. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Be- because I've because we've been pro- or I've been a- approached numerous times from different countries. Honduras, one of them um you you gone to another one to come in and build 100 classrooms um, right. and now was like okay what is the cost um, what are your materials how if if we mm-hmm. do this how can we train you to to build them to do it
1: yeah
2: um, be, you know, be, because be, because then my philosophy is then we're putting people to work
1: right
2: um, so that's that's kind of where I'm coming because at, at least for my experiences traveling around the world a lot of a lot of schools don't don't have an extra classroom just to give up. Um, And that's because Mm -hmm. for for a lot of schools, that's that's a luxury just to have another. Yeah,
1: it is. And some schools don't have it, but the population has been decreasing. uh, Classroom sizes and children enrolling in school has been decreasing lately. Really? Um, Yeah why is that that's birth control
2: there you go and
1: education (laughs) we have we have less children than we used to which is going to be a big problem very soon but many schools does have an empty classroom that that they can that they can share sometimes we share it with a resource person or with a special ed person that comes in, they take a little corner of the classroom and then we set up the, the library in the other half, but not inside a classroom, not on, inside a first grade or a fifth grade, because right. that would limit the access to, uh, for the other students to come in.
0: Yeah. Wow, that uh, you shared so much with us and we really appreciate it. And um, so you shared a couple of things if people wanted to contribute to your organizations. Um, Amigos of Costa Rica is, right. is the um, contribution for the libraries. Um, and libraries
1: then, or the workshops. Or both. the
0: workshops. Both. Great. Okay. Right. So good to know. Um, as we start to bring this to a close, we always ask our guests what their call to action is. And so this would be like mm-hmm. the one takeaway for our listeners. So could you provide uh, what your call to action is?
1: Um, I feel that. Not that I feel, I believe. That the way to give third world children a better life is through education. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make a difference, you can. There's basically no excuse for anybody to help children in third world countries have a better life. Yeah. And if you want to help us, you can go to Amigos of Costa Rica. Perfect. I love that. Thank you so
0: much for sharing today and sharing your experiences and your work. And thank you for the work that you do as well. So you are making a difference and you are modeling your call to action too. So I love that.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us. And I hope to hear from you soon. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Come visit piano mm-hmm. plays